And what's happening, everybody? Welcome on into the Check Your Brain podcast, hosted by yours truly. My name is Tony Mazer. Welcome in. Welcome in, everybody. If you're a long-time or even short-time subscriber, welcome back. If you stumbled upon this podcast for whatever reason, maybe I just tagged it properly, welcome aboard. I do a free podcast that goes out on the major podcast platforms, which is this one, every week, every Wednesday. I also do a free Rumble show, and then you get extra content on my Patreon. So I'm recording this and putting this out on Tuesday, August 22nd, for my Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer, just three bucks a month. But if you're a freeloader, <laughs> if you uh, want the some of the podcasts, um, you know, a little bit later on, it's not like it's not timely. We're talking about things that are happening as we speak, as well, at least within the margin of a couple of hours. Uh, yeah, go. Uh, I put one out every week, so go check that out and subscribe and hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Uh, yeah, but again, go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazur if you like what you hear, T-O-N-Y-M-A-Z-U-R. That opening song, Morgan Wallen, last night, a song that I've heard at random bars and parties for the last six months, and it's the number one song in the country. Morgan Wallen, uh, somebody who was briefly canceled by country radio, country radio decided, ah, no, he said the N-word, not at a black dude, but as some stupid 13-year-old middle school kid from a white, completely all-white middle school would use that word, talking to his friends, trying to be shocking, and he did it when he was drunk, country radio briefly stopped playing him until he realized that uh, there's a lot of money that goes around. And uh, his audience rallied behind him, and now we just f forgot about it. You know, is that kind of interesting? You have uh, uh, people who would unfriend you on Facebook and uh, cut you out of their lives because of a, a perceived bit of racism or that somebody on your podcast dropped an N-bomb and you cut them out of their life, yet you are getting a photo with the guy who actually infamously used the N-word and you get a picture with him because you work for a country station and it's a concert that your station is sponsoring. You're like, I'm with Morgan Wallen. Isn't this great? Yeah. You're not hypocrites, but I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter about that. <laughs> Enough time has passed, but I could like to throw a couple of darts there. I'll talk a little country coming up a little bit later on because it seems like there's a little bit of a country revival. Number one song in the country is The Rich Men of Richmond. And uh, just off the heels of Try That in a Small Town by Jason Aldean was number one. So are we going through a country revival? We'll talk about that, or I'll talk about that in just a little bit, a little bit of a tease. Remember, I used to work in radio. <laughs> used to. Let's get to the podcast, shall we? What I was going to talk about, what you probably saw in the title of this episode, which is called President Empathy. Now, I've talked for a while here on this podcast, and I have shifted a little bit in the two and a half years I've been doing the Check Your Brain podcast, because instead of just doing rage bait, just rage content, meaning uh, kind of like what conservative talk radio had been for a long time, which is, I'm so mad at the Democrats. Well, what's the solution? Well, the solution is to buy my book, where you can read 300 pages of me being mad at the Democrats. Okay, so you... You want me to subscribe to, like, The Daily Wire or PragerU or listen to your show or buy your book. But there's no solution in the book. The solution is maybe you should buy my next book. The solution is to buy my product. And that's where – and I'll get to Conservative Inc. again and other teas later on in the show. So I'm not about the rage stuff. I'll fall for it a couple of times. I'll, I'll – join in every so often, but I, I prefer to talk about solutions. I talk about things locally. Does it matter who the president is? Yeah, I guess, but it matters a little bit more who your school board members are. It matters who your 
uh, the, the people who are representing you on city council, who your mayor is, who your sheriff is. Those are the solutions we need to watch out for, as opposed to getting mad about who's the, who the president is. It really shouldn't matter in the whole scheme of things who the president is. But I will say, with Mr. Empathy, the empathizer-in-chief right now, Joseph R. Biden, this is a horrible optic. And I'd like to say, how does he recover from this? But he will, because he's got the entire media apparatchik in his back pocket, and it's okay. He is a scandal-ridden president. He's a scandal-ridden, corrupt definition, a personification of a corrupt politician. Yet the media is just like, well, there's no there there. There's no... Just nothing. Like, okay, so Hunter Biden had a laptop. It was Russian disinformation. I mean, it's not Russian disinformation, but we'll call it that. And uh, maybe some of our dumb followers are just going to repeat that mantra over and over and over again. And they get away with it. And guess what? These people are still going to vote for Joe Biden after this. After, and when I say after this, so about two years ago, around this time, two years ago, was the disastrous pullout of Afghanistan. That was disastrous because even though I agreed, the one thing I could have agreed with Joe Biden was that we didn't need to be in Afghanistan anymore. But he screwed that up. He bungled it. I, I, it's unbelievable. And what these Gold Star families, him meeting with them, and of course he has to bring up his son, it, not, not Hunter. He brings up, I'm a son, Bo. You know, my, my, my son, Bo, done died overseas. No, he didn't. But he keeps lying about it. And no one in the media, no leftists, no media members are going to say, he's got to stop bringing up his son. Anytime you bring it up, you say, boy, it seems like he's using his dead son for some kind of political capital. Oh, what are you talking about? If you lost the son, people grieve in different ways, you know. This is pretty disgusting even for you, Tony. Now, shut up. Just shut up. Stop bringing... He brings up his kid. It's like he's... He brings up these stories. It, it, rather than try to just sit back and listen. You have a gold star family that is talking about what's happened with, with basically, I mean, everything that changed with Afghanistan. And he's just there going like, you know, I know how you feel. My son Bo was over there. You know, my son Bo. That's Bo. He might... My number one son. Yeah, my son, but I know how you feel. And the families are just like, okay, but hi, uh, we're, we're talking about our family right now, the one that's was affected, not your son. Yeah, it sucks that your son died, and uh, but he died of cancer. He didn't. He didn't get shot down. It wasn't a Pat Tillman situation. He died of cancer when he was back in the United States. So, but he keeps bringing it up because he's like, I feel your pain. No, you don't. You don't. You're not listening. You don't listen. Joe Biden has to bring that up every time. And it's right out of the Barack Obama playbook, too. It's he has to be the bride at everybody's wedding. Isn't that amazing? He has to be the bride. Somebody else is getting married, yet he has to catch the bouquet. He has to throw the bouquet. It's his wedding. It's all about him. It's all about Joe. It's all about Joe. So here are a couple of clips from the last, uh, what, day and a half. So let let me set it up a little bit. So Maui, it's been, what, two weeks since these wildfires. That they're, Of course, the left is blaming on climate change. It's, you know, these we're having these disastrous things because of climate change. You know, not serial arsoners, not uh, arsonists, not uh, uh, poor policy when it comes to dry land and grass and... Uh, none of that. No, it's climate change that's causing all these fires. It's climate change that's causing all the fires in Canada, where earlier this summer New York City looked apocalyptic. It's climate change. No, it's not. It's not climate change. But anyways, that's what they're going to say. It's, it's, uh, well, it's all about climate change. It's all about the climate. So Joe Biden was over in Rehoboth Beach last week on vacation, and pe reporters were asking him, Hey, what's what are you going to do about the, the wildfires? What's going on there? He says no comment. No comment. There's hundreds dead, maybe thousands. We don't know yet. So many people vaporized because of these fires. And your your response is no comment. So what does he do next? As I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, on the Monday podcast here, 
you will have families that go down to Disney World, and you go to you go to Disney World, you go to the Magic Kingdom, and your kids get the ears. Maybe you get the little button first Disney time, whatever. Then you go to Epcot on day two, and then you go to to the Hollywood Studios. I was just say MGM, but it hasn't been MGM in a while. You go to Hollywood Studios, maybe you go to Animal Kingdom, Downtown Disney, you go all the way around. It's a whirlwind vacation. You get back, and you get back to the office on Monday. Hey, how was the trip? Oh, boy, I need a vacation after this vacation. Well, Joe Biden had a vacation after his vacation. He was so tired, apparently, from being in Rehoboth Beach that he hops on a plane to Lake Tahoe to stay with Tom Steyer, who ran for president. Did you remember he ran for president? Because I didn't. I completely forgot Tom Steyer ran for president, who, again, is another climate uh, lunatic. Staying at Tom Steyer's place in Lake Tahoe for another vacation. But he did make time to take a puddle jumper, quote-unquote, Air Force One, over to Hawaii to survey the damage. And he, he speaks to the, to the people because, you know, he's Mr. Empathy. He really cares. Really, I, it's, it's Joey. Joey, you know my my my, my daddy. He, he would tell me, Joey, you know, there's two men over there making out, and that's love right there. Yet, yeah, no, that that never happened. Anytime he says, when my daddy would say, Joey, it's a lie. Everything he says is a lie. So he goes over there to try to make people feel better, I guess. Uh, okay. Because this was his pitch. This was the big pitch by the media after James Clyburn in early 2020, pre-pandemic, or it was right around the pandemic, gathered Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete, and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, anyone who was running for president, even Mike Bloomberg, even probably Tom Steyer, too, and said, uh, we're voting for Joe Biden. We're supporting him. Even though Joe Biden, I don't think, finished above fourth or third in any of the primaries. It was embarrassing. He's on the he's on the campaign trail, and he's fighting with people, calling this dude fat. Hey, you won't get, we'll go beyond a schoolhouse and put our dukes up. What? It was embarrassing. And then all of a sudden, over like one day, they all got the message and said, we're supporting Joe Biden. And what happened? Joe Biden became president. But he didn't have to campaign because of that COVID stuff. And we'll get to COVID in a little bit. It's all this COVID. You have a man who's in his upper 70s when he's running for president in 2020, 78 years old. And uh, yeah, it's like, well, we can't have a 78-year-old man out on the campaign trail. It could be dangerous. He might get COVID. So he's going to campaign in his basement. He's going to go on Charlemagne the God show and say, well, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. And all these embarrassing things. And then when he actually does go outside, they have these hula hoops with like six people that are there to support Joe Biden. I mean, Trump has 50,000 people at a rally in Pennsylvania, and Joe Biden's somewhere in a swing state with six people. Now, granted, in fairness, the Democrats are the ones who were, were deathly afraid of COVID. They were so afraid, so they're not going to leave their house, even if it was, maybe if it was Barack Obama, maybe if it was like another worldly candidate. But if they had an opportunity to see a Joe Biden speech in 2020, during COVID, when they're like wearing two masks in their car, they're going to stay home with their two masks on their couch. So it wasn't really fair. But then he became president because Donald Trump had too many mean tweets. He was too mean. And Joe Biden is a is an empathetic character. He cares. See, he cares. He cares about you, the working man, because he's Scranton Joe. He's Wilmington Joe. He takes the train. He cares about the working class. He cares about those who make a, a thing of coffee in their thermos next to their lunch pail. They sip it. You know, they, they take a dump in a spackle bucket at their job site. That's who he cares about. He doesn't care about all that big money, the, the, uh, all these major companies. He doesn't care about it. He cares about you. That's you. Now, we all know that's BS. That's garbage. That's crap. It was crap from the beginning. Joe Biden is a corrupt politician who only either enriches himself or enriches his family, his brothers, his kids. Uh, I mean, the only person in his family he clearly doesn't care about is the, the four-year-old, who uh, his granddaughter that he just up until a couple of weeks ago finally acknowledged exists. 
but is not allowed to have the Biden name. You can't, pro- you can't profit off the, the Biden name. Everyone else can. That's what's amazing about it. So Biden's over in Hawaii. And remember, he's Mr. Empathy. He cares. Listen to this clip. My goodness. America's deadly wildfire, deadliest wildfire in over a century. And Jill and I have what's left, uh, walked Front Street, what's left of it. We've surveyed the damage from the air as well. The devastation is overwhelming. To date, 114 dead, hundreds of people unaccounted for. I remember when I got the call, my first wife and daughter, I was a young senator, and I got a call in Washington. I hadn't been sworn in yet. I wasn't old enough. And I was hiring staff in the Capitol at Teddy Kennedy's office. And I got a phone call saying from my fire department and a young first responder kind of panicking, you got to come home. There's been an accident. So what happened? He said, your wife, she, she, she's dead. Come home. Come home. The tractor trailer had broadsided her. And uh... OK, uh, look, I have to stop it here. Because once again, he's making it about himself. This is what I said. He is the bride at everybody else's wedding. It's all about Joe Biden. Well, you know, I know all the devastation. I feel your pain. See, I had stuff happen to me, too. No. Part of the grieving process is to listen. Is to listen. It could be the loss of loved ones. Or it could be your wife or girlfriend had a bad day at work. So, uh, uh, pro tip, and I I know I haven't been married all that long. It's been three plus years. But I think I do a pretty good job of this. My wife comes home from her job, and there's stresses at every job. And and I'm like, hey, how was your day? She's like, it's terrible. Well, tell me about it. Okay. And so what I'll do is I'll sit on the couch with her or... You know, whatever. Maybe I'm doing laundry, but I'll stop and I'll listen to what she's saying. Well, this happened and this happened, this happened. Your job is not to add to that You're, or to say, well, if your day was bad, I'll tell you about mine. Now, maybe if she asks, if your wife asks, like, well, that was my day. How was yours? <laughs> that's fine. But if you're just going to make it about yourself, and that's what he does, and it's this weird shield because if... Somebody like me rips on him for, again, bringing up everything about his own life. I know your pain. I know how you feel. And if I say, yeah, that's not appropriate, they say, what, what, you, what, see, he's bringing up an anecdote from his life. It's like, yeah, no, I'm not not buying that anymore. He's been doing this for decades, using his family for political gain. This is political gain here, by the way. This is what he's trying to do. He's getting the sympathy vote. Oh, see... He's lost somebody, too. Now, mine were vaporized in a fire. (laughs) In a wildfire that they're trying to blame on climate change. So, but yeah, that's that's Biden there. Uh, Here he is making a joke about how hot the ground is, apparently. This is just ridiculous. You guys catch the boots out here? His body language, I'm telling you, it, just looking at him in this video, he's got his he's got his shirt on, his um, button-down blue shirt. He's wearing his, remember, he's got his aviators. Because when he wears the aviators, that's Dark Brandon right there. This is a man who's just, he means business. And he's got to get stuff done right now. Look at my aviators. Look at my hat. I am presidential material. And then he's out there going, Oh, man, there's hot ground out here. <laughs> yeah, it's a big joke. Again, hundreds are dead. Maybe thousands. Lots of missing, of course, fa- not, not only just family pets, but kids. Land devastation in... I mean, this is this is an area... Uh, it's it's ravaged. This is done. This area can't be rebuilt. Well, it, if uh, if you're BlackRock, I'm sure you're probably looking at dollar signs here, going, yeah, "Well, here's where we go. We're we're about to about to step in and do a little something, something, a little, a little redecorating around this area." But that's a conspiracy theory that uh, I have a uh, lot of credence in. <laughs> but this is probably the most egregious clip I have heard from Joe Biden. In the time he's been president, in the two and a half years he's been in office. You want to talk about tone deaf. Listen to this clip. 
I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. No, you don't. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. But all kidding aside, I watched the firefighters, the way they responded. You know, there's an old expression. I grew up right across the street from a fire hall in Claymont, Delaware. What the hell is he talking about? That is the most egregious tone-deaf thing I've ever heard. So this story that he's brought up, his house didn't catch on fire. He had a small kitchen fire that was taken down within 20 minutes. They said said 20 minutes in Delaware, and he's in D.C. So he didn't watch the firemen accomplish this and take take care of it. Um, No. No, it's all a lie. Everything about this. And then he's like, hey, you know, could have taken my, my, my Corvette and my cat. <laughs> but all kidding aside. All kidding aside. All kidding aside. It, <sighs> the amount of devastation, I keep bringing that up. And you have President Empathy, who, thank goodness for him, takes a couple of minutes out of his second vacation in as many weeks to fly to Hawaii. And he puts a lay on, and he's talking about, hey, yo, the fire could have taken my, my, my Corvette, my cat. Yeah, I have two cats. I would prefer a fire. Now, I'm, I just bought a house, and I would prefer not to have a fire, whether it's in my kitchen or elsewhere. I have two cats, and I, have a, I don't have a Corvette. I have a Jeep. I don't want that taken down. But once again, he's making it about himself. And this is what they I said last week with, with my buddy Shane Harris, where everything they accuse Donald Trump and the Trump family of doing, the Bidens are doing. Oh, Tr- Trump is a narcissist who makes everything about himself. Uh, yeah, but that's that's Donald Trump. He's not a career politician. Donald Trump has been in the spotlight, and yes, he is an egotistical narcissist. We all know that. The fact is, if you're Joe Biden, aren't you supposed to be better than this? Didn't you run on return to normalcy? Didn't you return on, uh, you know, hey, you know, those mean tweets, but I'm going to make the tweets nicer. We're going to bring civility back to the White House. We're going to bring, see, we care. See, Donald Trump is just this mean orange Hitler a uh, Stalin-esque figure that uh, wants to rip babies. What, uh, every Again, it's not true. But everything about Joe Biden is also not true. Joe Biden has been a jackass for decades. And in 2020, the media decided, uh, we're going to throw out that, that out the window. You know, Joe being Joe. Never underestimate uh, Joe's ability to F things up is what Barack Obama, to paraphrase him, what he allegedly said, but let's be honest here. <laughs> it's pretty plausible. Uh, I mean, guys, this is this is pretty sick. This is our president. This is the same president that, I, I mean, well, it, here's another clip. This is Here's another clip from, uh, from what happened. Remember when uh, Donald Trump kept calling him Sleepy Joe? And I didn't think that really applied during the campaign because I'm like, is he sleepy? I would say creepy, Joe. There's some pretty credible uh, allegations with Tara Reid of him forcibly, digitally forcing himself on on her in a hallway in 1993. There's some sniffing kids and all that. Uh, So I thought creepy Joe would be kind of more appropriate, but well, Trump was right again. Here's sleepy Joe (laughs) falling asleep. We are a community that relies on family, on ohana, whether by blood, 
or by friendship. But like many others... So, he, he's at the ceremony in Hawaii. He's got his shirt on, and he's asleep. Oh, I'll just rest in my eyes. I wouldn't sleep. He doesn't care. So again, President, I care about you. I care about the American people. The guy who it's been over, I think it's today when I'm recording this is 200 days since East Palestine. Believe it, no, well, wait a second. Yeah, it's got to be 200 days. 200 days ago today, if you're listening on Wednesday, it's 201. But it's been officially 200 days since the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, where Joe Biden has not visited because they're not voting for him. Now, what's helping Joe Biden here is that Hawaii will vote for him no matter what. They, they could take all your kids away. Uh, they don't care. I mean, obviously, clearly, the Democrat Party does not care about kids. They want to abort so many of them, and the ones that are here, they want to trans them, it seems. So <laughs> they don't really care about kids. Uh, so it's sad that Hawaii is going to still vote for Joe Biden after all these. It would be nice if they woke up and said, guys, this guy ain't, this guy ain't doing anything. He, he, he came over here, basically was forced to fly over the Pacific Ocean to visit us, made a couple of tone-deaf remarks, fell asleep at a ceremony, and then went back on vacation. But they'll still vote for him, which is which is sad. That's that's just what how good a narrative, how strong a narrative can be. It's unbelievable what's going on right now. <laughs> I mean, it's Neon Taser is a great Twitter follow. It says Biden seems incapable of sympathizing people's pain without inventing a story about how the same thing happened to him. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of the same thing where if if Biden were at a, at a ceremony about how pit bulls were attacking and, and mauling everybody else's pets and their kids, and just adults too, and then Biden would be like, I feel your pain. I, I was bitten by my dog, by a chief once. Chief? Was it chief or champ? I don't remember. Hey, you know, I was in the shower and I, I, I slipped. I had a walking boot because my, my dog was playing with me while I was naked in the shower. That was a real thing that happened. He is a narcissist. It's all about him. It's so. It's sad. It's it. Well, it's it's disturbing. It's disgusting, and it's very sad. But what are we going to do about it? Are you going to go to? I mean, forgot again. I bring up East Palestine. I did a podcast on this. If anyone wants to go check it out, uh, back in early April, I drove through East Palestine, Ohio, to see what it was like, and it's. Basically, it's a small town. Try that in a small town. <laughs> well, that's why Joe Biden's not going to the small town. That's why it took Donald Trump to go there to kind of one-up the Biden administration, which was a great political move. It was a great move anyways, but it was a great political move for him too. And uh, Mayor Pete had to go there with this stupid hard hat and going like, well, you know, uh, he didn't want to go there because they're not going to vote for Joe Biden in 2024. Ohio is a crimson red now. It's not the bellwether state. We have Sherrod Brown here. I'm broadcasting out of Ohio. We have Sherrod Brown and we have blue city mayors in these towns that are just the crime rates and the, the gang violence are skyrocketing. Uh, but we do have a rhino Republican governor, so great, thanks. Or we have Max Miller, who's accusing uh, people of, uh, of disgusting, bigoted, his own people and getting them fired because uh, he's a Jewish man who thinks it's a bigoted, bigoted statement talking about Jesus Christ and, and having faith in the Lord is a bigoted statement. That's what we have in Ohio. Great job. Hey, ho, way to go, Ohio. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, uh, Joe Biden last week, by the way, was in uh, Milwaukee and flew, to D flew back to D.C. before going to Rehoboth. He literally on his flight plan, flew over East Palestine, Ohio. Directly over East Palestine, Ohio. But it's been 200 days now, officially, and he has not been there. I still think it's the biggest story of the year. Now, well, next, I think this one's right up there as well. I think these are 1A and 1B. And you could choose which one. Because obviously with the, the death count, 
is massive with what's happening in Hawaii. And then you could say that that's probably the biggest story of the year, and just below it is East Palestine. Or, depending on how you look at things, it could be 1A, 1B. Can you imagine if a Republican were to do that? Oh, no, we can. Remember that? Remember there was a George Bush doesn't care about black people? Radically, tragically, and perhaps irreversibly. There's now over 25 feet of water where there was once city streets and thriving neighborhoods. I hate the way they portray us in the media. If you see a black family, it says they're looting. See a white family, it says they're looking for food. And you know it's been five days because most of the people are black. And even for me to complain about, I would be a hypocrite because I've tried to turn away from the teacher TV because it's too hard to watch. I've even been shopping before even giving a donation. So now I'm calling my business manager right now to see what's, what is the biggest amount I can give. And, and just to imagine if I was, if I was down there and those are, those are my people down there. So anybody out there that wants to do anything that we can help with, with the setup, the way America is set up to help the, um, uh, the poor, the, the black people, the, uh, the less well off as slow as possible i mean this is red cross is doing everything they can we we already realize a lot of the people that could help are at war right now fighting another way and they they they've given them permission to go down and shoot us and subtle but in even many ways more profoundly devastating is the lasting damage to the survivors will to rebuild and remain in the area the destruction of the spirit of the people of southern louisiana and mississippi may end up being the most tragic loss of all george bush doesn't care about black people please call yeah yeah i was gonna only play that little bit but i had to get the context of it of course everybody remembers that it was 2005 right around this time 18 years ago and it's mike myers doing this drive this red cross drive on msnbc doing it live with kanye west and they cut the to chris tucker who's like ah ah oh man uh 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 yeah uh thanks kanye and, and by the way this wasn't the kanye that we know now this is kanye this is graduation kanye this was he's kind of like this new hot thing on the scene. And then you have Mike Myers, who did a bunch of movies and cartoons and stuff. Um, but that was ended up being a meme in the early days. Like, that was a huge viral video in the first year of YouTube in 2005 for Hurricane Katrina. And I think if you talk to a lot of people about what happened with that devastation, they believe Kanye West. Now, does George Bush care about black people? I don't know. He didn't care about brown people, clearly, with these the getting going into war, to two different wars. Um, I don't think George Bush really cared about anybody but who was lining his pockets, but that's like that with every politician, including Barack Obama and Joe Biden. But uh, Kanye says that, and I think if you talk to people, you say Hurricane Katrina, one of the first things people will think about is, George Bush doesn't care about black people. Okay. Um... And that kind of turned a lot in the Bush administration, if you think about it, was Bush's disastrous response to uh, to Hurricane Katrina because he wasn't on the scene. He wasn't wearing fishing waders in Lake Pontchartrain. He was flying overhead, and they said he didn't do enough, and there's too many black people in the Ray Nagin chocolate city of New Orleans to do anything about it. So that's okay. You can say that. You know, that's, that was never an issue. What about, uh, again, can you imagine if a Republican did something like that? Oh, what about Ted Cruz? Not too long ago. How about this one? Weekend Update has to talk about it. If you hate Ted Cruz, this is a pretty fun week. <laughs> and if you like Ted Cruz, then you're Ted Cruz. <laughs> Senator Cruz, whose face is slowly being reclaimed by nature, said... <laughs> That his decision to go on a family vacation at Cancun during Texas's weather emergency was obviously a mistake, as was the tattoo he got there. <laughs> Cruz initially released a statement saying he only went on vacation because his daughters made him go. And if you think it was bad to throw his daughters under the bus, Cruz would like you to know that that statement was his wife's idea. Okay, so you get the point. Ted Cruz went on vacation, and then there was a massive snowstorm and ice storm that hit Texas. 
And it was, look at Ted Cruz. Fled Cruz. He left the country. He left his home state as his state is going through such a crisis to go on vacation. How dare he go on vacation as devastation's hitting the place that he's supposed to be kind of looking out over as a senator. Yet will SNL, even though I think they're, they're, they can't do anything because there's still a writer strike right now, but if SNL, if this was during the season, do you think they would be criticizing Joe Biden for his lack of response here, for his tone-deaf responses? No, they have to support him. They have to protect him. He is a protected class. You can't go after Joe Biden. Anytime you mention the fact that even in 2019, the Joe Biden who, again, was challenging people at town halls to fights and calling them fat, listen to him then and listen to him now. It's He is really, really aged. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, earlier this year, I watched a special on Carol Burnett. I got a chance to see Carol Burnett a few years ago. And Carol Burnett turned 90. And she, she looks great. She sounds great. She's singing. She's still acting. Joe Biden is a full decade younger than her. Yet when you get to that certain point, you become a senior citizen. Some people age quicker than others. Some people look great. Some people can be 100 years old and look great. Others can be 75 and be on death's door. It's just that's how it happens. It, it, it sucks. That's life. Uh, Joe Biden is not doing well. He clearly has something going on, whether it's dementia, Parkinson's. Look at his gait. It's like the Seinfeld bit of it's like he's holding invisible briefcases. <laughs> it's just it, it, it looks bad. So why isn't anybody mentioning his mental acuity? Why is the fact that when Donald Trump slowly walked down a ramp when it was wet outside that you had psychologists on CNN and MSNBC saying, see, this is the beginning stages of pre-senile dementia, or he picked up a glass with two hands. Okay, yeah, he picked up a glass with two hands. I, I didn't, I don't remember the, and then he had to go through that thing where it was like dog, chair, Apple, Chevrolet, computer, whatever. Oh, so he does that, and they're like, well, see, his, his mental fitness, it's not there. Joe Biden, he, he can't remember the last country he visited. Some, somebody had to remind him. It was Ireland. It was, it was a couple of months ago. He said, they say, what? Well, it was a little girl. He's like, what, what is the last country you went to? And he's like, oh, good question. Uh, I can't remember. Like, you just got off the plane from Ireland like an hour earlier. But he's protected. Protect him at all costs. Anything you can do. I mean, truth, truly, the whole thing, the tombstone of conservatism is, well, can you imagine if you reverse the situation? If you turn the tables, how it would be? Well, it, it's time for people to really start holding them, their feet to the fire. Instead of just going like, well, can you imagine if you reverse the situation? Yeah, I can imagine it, um, but I also can't. And the reason I cannot imagine something like that is... They will not abide. They don't care. They don't care if they're hypocritical. They don't care if the, if the, the same people who, who ripped on George Bush for not caring about black people uh, in, in, uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana, and the same people who ripped on Ted Cruz for going to Cancun with his family, or the same people who are very silent about Joe Biden's inaction and tone-deaf commentary during wildfire devastation in Hawaii, where you're seeing th probably thousands dead, and no one's no one's saying anything, because it's all political. It's all about it's all about the politics. <sighs> Moving on right now. Speaking of politics, um, seems masks are coming back. I just talked about this last week on my podcast again. Patreon.com/slash Tony Mazer. There's my in-show plug for my podcast, the, for extra content. And I, I've heard people call into Clay Travis and Buck Sexton's show and others, it's just, or anytime I bring it up, where I pat myself on the back of being right 100% of the time during COVID. And anytime I mention it, I have friends that say, it's not a big deal. 
it was a couple of years ago. There's no mandates. There's no restrictions. Masks are gone. We get it. You win. You win. Good for you. You don't have to keep doing victory laps. And for me, I'm like, it's not that I'm doing victory laps. Now, I, I, I've pulled muscles from all the victory laps, and I've pulled muscles in my shoulders from patting myself on the back during this. But I've also continued bringing up COVID stuff to remind you that they're going to try to do this again. Well, guess what? Hollywood, Lionsgate now, is the first studio to reinstate the mask mandate. Oh yeah, they're bringing him back. Even though there have been countless studies now saying that masks do not stop transmission of COVID-19. They don't do anything. Well, why do surgeons wear masks, Tony? Huh? Huh? Yeah, surgeons wear masks because they trap sweat pores. Your your pores that will drop sweat. And it's also to prevent, if you're going through surgery, if you're having open-heart surgery, you don't have things splashing back from the person's body onto your face. So, of course, you're going to wear a mask like that. It's not to stop a respiratory virus that did nothing. Why was it that when they instituted mask mandates... Cases were pretty low, and when they dropped the mask mandates, the cases were pretty low. Why in the height of the mask mandate were we having the most amount of cases ever (laughs) with COVID? But again, it's not hospitalizations. It's not deaths. When was the last time you heard anybody get COVID? And if they have, like, I think I saw one person, uh, like a Facebook friend who's like, well, looks like I finally got COVID for the first time in two years. Good for you. Good for you. Hope you're hope you're eight times vax. Hope you have all your boosters right now. Oh, but the, uh, Lionsgate, look, it's Hollywood. They trans their kids. They're a bunch of wackadoodles, uh, paganistic Satanists, whatever you want to call them. What about at colleges? Because colleges, I mean, there are some colleges that still require you to wear uh, to to have vaccines to be up to date on your boosters. Well, guess what? As of August twentieth. Effect, uh, <clears throat> greetings, faculty, staff, and students. Effective immediately, Morris Brown College has reinstated its COVID-19 mask mandate due to reports of positive cases among students in the Atlanta University Center. Over the next, guess what, 14 days, the following protocols will be in place. Mask wearing, all students and employees will be required to wear face masks. Staff may remove Staff may remove in their offices while alone. Oh, so you can't spread COVID when you're by yourself, right? Like, you can't just cough a bunch of COVID in the air if you do have it. Because, again, the masks were created. The reason they had mask mandates, other than the compliance and everything, was to stop asymptomatic transmission of the virus. What is asymptomatic? It means a healthy person is sick right? A healthy person is actually sick. You may think you're healthy. You may have no cough. You may not have sniffles. You may not feel weak. You may not even have a headache. You may be fine, but you're not fine. You're extremely sick and you need to work. So, but, and we don't know how many people are actually sick. Your immune system is a conspiracy theory. That's why they had the mask mandate. It's not for COVID positive, like people who are actually showing signs. It's people who are not showing signs, whether they have it or not, have to wear it because it's out of control and compliance. Physical distancing. Uh, Students must maintain physical distancing. Large gatherings. Institutional guidelines for gathering sizes must be followed. There will be no parties or large student events on campus for the next two weeks. Two weeks, huh? 14 days, two weeks, huh? Almost sounds like that something, something to slow the spread, right? What are we up to right now? How many days to slow the spread? Isolation and quarantine. Musted, uh, students must adhere to institutional policies and CDC guidelines for isolation and quarantine. Contact tracing. Compliance with college-initiated contact tracing efforts is expected. Symptom monitoring. 
Students and employees are obligated to undergo temperature checks upon campus arrival and regular hand washing and sanitization. Frequent hand washing is expected from all students and employees. Now, here's the thing. All of us listening, let's be honest here, you're probably in some kind of, we're all in a little echo chamber preaching to the converted. We're not wearing masks. It's not going to happen. I'm not wearing it at the airport. I'm not, I'm not going to the airport. I'm not wearing it on a plane. I'm done with it. And if they do, it's time you Bud Light the airlines. It's time you Bud Light these universities. The problem is this particular college is an all-black college. And one thing I've noticed, and I, you say it's a stereotype, you could say I'm being offensive or not, black people are the ones who are really, really compliant with the mask mandate. I don't know about the vax stuff, but as far as masks, I still see black people everywhere now wearing masks. I think I, they love them. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Because except for your, like, really liberal boomer librarian type, uh, it's basically all black people are the ones who are still wearing masks right now. But, again, just my observation. So get ready for all this. Because remember, <coughs> COVID-19... Uh, this is not me saying, this is Michael Knowles actually did make this point. COVID-19 actually started in 2019. So even though we've talked about how COVID derailed the election year and mail-in ballots and social distancing and this and this and this and this, ripe with fraud, they have to put the wheels in motion for th whatever fraud, whatever's going to happen next year. They have to do it this year. They have to slowly try to kind of kind of inch closer to whatever they want to accomplish and they have to do it the year before because otherwise eh, then it's not gonna uh you know the, the people might find out a little bit we we're pretty privileged about four years ago we didn't think that the world was going to shut down the way it was but here we go we're back everybody we're back ladies and gentlemen masks are coming back um Oh, this is kind of, I don't want to say it's disappointing as I take a sip of my beverage here. So you folks, I mentioned earlier about country music. The number one song in the country, at least past recently, was the song I opened the show with, which is Last Night by Morgan Wallen. You had Jason Aldean, Try That in a Small Town, the video, even though the song came out in like April or May, when the video came out, it was so controversial. It's, well, it's he filmed that video on where they had a lynching 102 years ago. Oh, yeah, because I'm sure Jason Aldean and his people were like, where were all the black lynchings in this country? Okay, let's film this video here and piss on the, 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 the graves. or you know, No, that never happened. So this seems like there's a little bit of this country revival and you have Oliver Anthony who came out with the rich men north of Richmond the song came out about two weeks ago and it hit really big and talking about politicians don't care about minors unless they're on an island somewhere and you know uh, you're getting taxed and again you're talking about rich men north of Richmond meaning What's north of Richmond, Virginia on I-95? Well, that's the Beltway area, meaning Washington, D.C. So he's not talking about the Mason-Dixon line. He's not talking about Civil War-era tropes like a YouTube music critic was mentioning yesterday. I brought up in yesterday's podcast. Uh, it's about the difference. It's a class difference. It's not a race difference. It's not ideal. Well, it's a little ideological, but it's a, it's a class difference is what he's bringing up in that song. A little disappointing for some people that uh, it seems that Oliver Anthony is not as, I guess, as right-wing, red-pilled based as a lot of people would want to expect. I mean, we are the melting pot of the world, and that, that's what makes us strong is our diversity, and we need to learn to harness that and appreciate it and not use it as a political tool to, to keep everyone separate from each other, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, was he faking his accent? Rich man, all the finer thing. And then here he is like, well, you know, diversity is our greatest strength. And we are truly a melting pot. Uh, that's neither of which are true, by the way. Uh, if people really want to look into it, uh, that's a nice narrative to think. We're such a melting pot. We are a melting pot in this country. No, we're still pretty segregated as people, whether we like it or not. Uh, 
it's it's the I guess it's human nature and uh, diversity is our greatest strength. Is it really our greatest strength? Is diversity our greatest strength? I don't know. Especially forced diversity, equity, inclusion, all that kind of stuff. The DEI. Yeah, I I, I don't like the fact that he said that, but. I also don't go to my musicians. This is why I have a little different take than people who are, I guess, more on the based side, the red-pilled side. They're 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 kind of pissed off about this. They're like, oh man, you know, this this is clearly a psyop. That song was just propped up. It was it was conservative ink astroturf, meaning that song came out of nowhere because you would have the the Ben Shapiro crowd or Jack Posobiec or uh, like right wing commentators saying, finally, this is our song that speaks to the the working class and this and that. And here he is talking about we're the melting pot, we're a melting pot, and diversity is our greatest strength. Yeah, I don't like that. But the best part about great art, this is I have a different take on this whole thing. The best part about great art is it can be left up to the interpretation of the listener or the viewer. And I think the song's fine. It's a decent song and it has a good message. I don't have to take all my values from Oliver Anthony. I don't have to take my values from Taylor Swift or from Kanye West or anybody. I'm allowed to think a song is good even if I don't agree with all their politics. Even if I feel that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I like Rage Against the Machine. I like System of a Down. I, I've listened to Pearl Jam. I've seen all three of those bands live. Well, I saw Surge Tank yet. I haven't seen System of a Down live. Uh, but I... I've gone to you know countless concerts where the the artist and I do not share the same values when it comes to political, social, whatever, tax policy, uh, Trump, Biden, Obama, wh- whoever the president is. I go there because I want to enjoy the music. And if your music has a message, I'm allowed to interpret it in any different way. I mean, that's what a good song should be. That's what's great about the song American Pie by Don McLean. About a year and a half ago, I actually had somebody who uh, was a, a professor from Bowling Green State University who came on to talk about that song. It was the 50th anniversary of Don McLean's American Pie. And a lot of the messaging that's in the song, what is it actually about? And he won't tell. Don McLean won't tell. Because... Again, great art should be left up to interpretation. If you want to take something at face value, you can. Or if you want to think there's deeper meaning behind certain things. I mean, sometimes an artist will say, yeah, I didn't really, there is no deep meaning with that song. It was I wrote it on a bar napkin at a Marriott at 2.30 in the morning, and it became a, a multi-million, you know, a record went platinum because of something I wrote with a woman's lipstick on a bar napkin at a Marriott. So that's what I like about that. I don't have to take my values from Oliver Anthony. I can think a song is decent without saying, hey guys, uh, he has to, uh, he and I have to have the same exact politics and views on social issues and this and this and this. Otherwise, I'm not going to listen to music. That's kind of a depressing life. Now, if you do have an artist who is coming across and saying like, yeah, I don't like white people. I don't like white people, and uh, yeah, no, the, you guys should probably go. Uh, like, uh, there should be some kind of extermination, mass extermination of white people. Or if the uh, the, the Lauren Hill thing, I mean, kind of, if you think about it, whether she said that or not, Lauren Hill do up, girl, you know you better watch out. That there was a long rumor that she said that she would rather, I think she would rather die than have white people buy her album. Whether that was true or not, when was the last time you heard of Lauren Hill? That song, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, came out 25 years ago, 1998. Have you heard from Lauren Hill since? Have you heard from the Fugees since? Not really. Kind of killed her brand. So, I guess if you're going to be pretty overt about what your belief system is like that, and saying like, yeah, no, I don't want you, you people shouldn't be listening to my stuff. I can understand that. I, I was going to bring this up I didn't on Twitter earlier, but it's funny how things can be interpreted and how it can find a different audience. Um, All in the Family, which was a takeoff of a British show, which was, I, I forgot what it was called. It was like 
top of the top of the morning or something. I don't I don't know what it was. Um, and what was funny about it was the show was created by Norman. Well, I mean, it was the concept was brought over here, and Norman Lear took that concept with his Hollywood writers and created this Archie Bunker character that was this he's supposed to be this loathsome brute. And the hippie boomer audience at the time in the early 70s was going to rally behind Mike and Gloria, Meathead, Mike Stivic and Gloria, who was Archie's daughter. And that, uh, that you were going to see an, a culture clash of Mike coming over here with his tie-dye shirt and his beard, and that Archie was going to have this clash with him. And that I, the writers really wanted the audience to kind of sympathize and empathize with Mike and Gloria. But that didn't happen. What happened is the audience liked Archie because he reminded them of their dad or their grandfather. And saying like, yeah, dad says some inappropriate things. Yeah, dad's kind of, he's cranky, says whatever, but I love dad. That's why Archie Bunker, for everything that he said on that show, not Carol O'Connor, but the, what they wrote for him in that character, that's why that show worked. Because even though dad can say and do the wrong thing sometimes and maybe dad's stuck in the past in a in a uh, some kind of time warp uh, you know oh you know boy the way glenn miller played well glenn miller at that point had been dead for, th for oh, nearly 30 years from the plane crash uh but that's what they're talking about those were the days so instead of you watching all in the family and going like boy that mike you know i hate the fact that archie is yelling at him it's like now Mike's kind of a moron too. He's kind of an elitist douche, <laughs> and and Gloria's annoying, and you know, I, it it kind of backfired on them, and they had to kind of lean into it. So that's what's great about art is that you can interpret it in different ways. Uh, unless your art is overly political, and you say no, this is what I'm going to, that this is what my message is, and there's no there's no wiggle room. But there's not going to be great art about Joe Biden. No, nobody's going to sit there and simp for Joe Biden in the arts community. They'll f support him because he's better than the alternative. Oh, let's see. Oh, what's the lesser of two evils? Captain, Captain Sympathy. President, that's the name of today's episode, is President Empathy. And it's, it's amazing because when you see a song and you hear a song like Nor Richmond North of Richmond, Joe Biden has enriched himself his entire life. For 50-plus years, Joe Biden has enriched himself. Ultimately, that song should be about him. And if you're if you're the audience, you could probably make it about Joe Biden. Say, yeah, this is absolutely a Joe, an anti-Joe Biden song if you wanted to. Or if it's just about politicians in general or whatever the case. That's what makes a song go from being pretty good, toe-tapper, earworm, to huh, maybe there is a definite cultural impact. Yeah, clearly, Richmond, north of Richmond, was taken over by conservative ink, the Prager U's, the Daily Wires, and Fox News, and Sean Hannity's of the world, and Dan Bongino. Okay, that's fine. Um, it is interesting when right-wingers want to jump in, because that's what happens. It's like, we don't really care about the culture, or like, you know, the culture is rot. And then you have somebody that kind of says something that's a little based, and you go, that's our guy now. That's our guy, without doing really any research on the guy. I don't hate the guy. Just it's, yeah, is it disappointing that uh, he's doing the diversity is our greatest strength? Does, in in his home in Virginia, does he have one of those, hate has no home here, or in this house we believe in science and genital mutilation and water is wet and this and this and this. Whatever, I, I, it doesn't matter. All I care... <sighs> I guess to wrap up the podcast here, what do you do? Well, again, my solution, as I say in every podcast, is you vote in your local elections. You know who's on your school board. It, does your school board, or, uh, they talking about how, uh, you know, pushing vaccines and, and masks on your kids again? Then vote for the people who aren't pushing masks and vaccines on your kids. Uh, don't Don't vote for those people. Pay more attention. But also don't lose sight of who's, kind of in charge at the top. And while Joe Biden is over there cracking jokes uh, about uh, the ground being hot in Hawaii and talking about his dead kid and, uh, hey, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just like you. 
I don't feel your pain. No, you don't feel their pain. You don't feel their pain. You've never have felt their pain. I don't even know if Joe Biden feels any pain. He doesn't feel anything for anybody. And it's pretty apparent right now. So I guess vote accordingly. Do your own. Yes, do your own research. Okay, I'm wrapping up the podcast here. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's Check Your Brain podcast. Again, if you liked what you heard and you want more of my content, go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazer for three bucks a month. I also have a separate, it's different from this podcast, a separate uh, video podcast that's on my Rumble page. So go find me on Rumble at Tony Mazer. And uh, yeah, and I'm on YouTube and follow me on social media if you like. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening to today's Check Your Brain podcast. I'll be back with you with more content tomorrow on my Patreon and maybe something later on this week. I might do a debate recap with the uh, Republican, the Trumpless Republican debate, Vivek and DeSantis and everybody. I might do a recap of that on Thursday. So go check that out. But hi, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for being a part of this and listening to today's podcast. Spread this out. Share it with a friend or five friends. And uh, yeah, we'll get the good news out there of the Lord. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>